people criticize chefs for being hot-headed and you don't know how fucking valid their hot-headedness is. I mean, like they have to put up with so much shit and, you know, it takes a lot of work to pump all that food, right? And okay, uh-huh. here's the thing. All right, so I've been I've been a chef for about 20, almost 25 years, right? I've studied the craft, right. blah, 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 doing a lot of different uh-huh. jobs. I work, I do a lot of uh, events and some catering stuff for private parties. A lot of times it's, you know, celebrities or ultra high net worth people. And then, so they want a dinner party with these celebrities. And then I, I talk to the client, I do some research, I d- develop a menu. I shop for all the food. I, I do all the prep. I get on site. I do all the on-site prep and then the execution of the meal. And then you get a line of servers that come up to the kitchen and they got to take mm-hmm. the, the plate. And you'd say to them, your only job is to remember what the name of this dish is called. And then they walk away and they come back and they're like, I fucked up. What is it again? And you're like, uh-huh. I want to strangle you to death and beat you with your own ripped off appendages. You understand? Uh-huh. Right? And you're, that like that's a valid point, right? Maybe not. Maybe not. Okay. okay. So no, you had me up until it was brutal murder, right? Like you're like, yeah, mm-hmm. no, I understand why people yell, but also I've never met a chef that didn't have a really short fuse. It's like mm-hmm. a part of the thing. Yeah. And sharp knives, short fuse. That's your like your two job requirements. Yeah, and and the thing is that you're investing a lot of your, you're investing your whole day into like creating something that's going to be poop tomorrow for somebody, you know, and <laughs> they're going to complain. Now, <laughs> now poop is my favorite thing. So you yeah. made that sound like that's the worst. Um, no, no, I think that's a great way. That's fleeting. like, should be your slogan. Yeah. It's fleeting is what I'm saying. Food is fleeting yeah. and we treat it like it has to be this you know, this insane art project every time, you know, um, I have to mm-hmm. create menus and I have to sell it to people. Like it, I have to fucking make a brochure full of haikus or they're not <laughs> in, you know what I mean? It's stupid. Sometimes we're, we don't treat food. Like we went, you know, I don't know, maybe it's just Americans. I think we go to extremes very easily, you know, and we went from mm-hmm. canned garbage in the fifties pretty quickly to today's food culture which is way over the goddamn top with all the dietary restrictions uh-huh. and all the haiku menu items and this and the stupid things and the and the molecular gastronomy like i, I think we we made that leap like a little too fast like i just want normal good food that's what you know what i like going to gastropubs a lot because wait, just- wait, 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 wait before you get too far what is the micro thing you said Oh, molecular gastronomy. Have you heard of that? You know what that is. When they, they make, no, uh, I don't know what that is. That's why they I make something into a foam, you know, or uh, uh, a, a paste or whatever. And it, and it tastes like different things. And they sort of they ex- extract flavors from certain ingredients. I don't know. It's, it's ridiculous. You got to really, it's been around. Though. I want to put that in the pizza. Well, <laughs> that's the thing. It's, it's sort of, Oh, and that's the other thing. Okay. So like, I'm used to a world where like, I've had some rich clients, they would throw shit at me if, uh-huh. if like there was French fries and they weren't crispy enough, they weren't perfectly crisp, uh-huh. you know, 
And texture is a big thing. And then imagine if I went back to him, I'm like, no, it's a foam now. It's not, it's not yeah. a slightly less crispy French fry. It's a foam. Now, I, as a troll in my heart, would find that so endearing to be like, can you make this crispier? And you come back and you're like, I made it into a paste. How about that? And like, all right, can it's I spread my French gelatin. fries on my, my sandwich? <laughs> no, it's the fucking stupidest thing, right? I don't know. Like, that to me would be so funny, a French fry spread. You know, yeah. you're like, yeah, oh, they you got know it. what? I will. They got it. And you know what? Probably every flavored pizza that you're into you could probably make like a nice, like a gelatin cube or some kind of weird froth <laughs> or paste in a test. I would room. like the Mr. Bean in my heart wants to sit down and put a napkin in my shirt mm-hmm. and then pull out a little box, open the box and have like 12 cubes of pizza. <laughs> you know, just here I go. And then have someone look at me like, what are you eating? You're like pepperoni pizza, dweeb. What do you think it is? <laughs> Duh. And it all expands in your stomach. It's full size. It's just astronaut yeah yeah and then i'm just like too like yeah like when i have sushi and i'm just like overly full half hour later mm-hmm. you're like oh i should have known to stop when i was 60 percent full this expands every time inside of me yeah i spend a lot on sushi. wait so i have i have food questions for you please go ahead because 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 I, I love food and i know you love food mm-hmm or hate food. I don't know how that all works. I have a love. Uh, what is the number one mistake you see everybody making in food? Mistake? Oh, number one mistake. Is- Wait, you broke up on my end. I'm sorry. Can you repeat it? You're saying number one mistake that people make, usually with cooking or with food. With cooking. With cooking. I think if someone connect- listens to this and they're automatically a better chef afterwards. Hmm. Uh, well, okay. The number one mistake that I see is knife handling, bad knife handling. And that's a fundamental, you know, you gotta, I, I have now the, the knife skills that I had like a, within a month, within a few weeks to a month into cooking, like, you, you need to get your knife skills mm-hmm. on point and you need to do it up front. And just, that's a fundamental. You can't go on and not. I've have never to. even heard of knife handling. Like you ever see someone and they're holding the knife and they're putting their finger down the spine, the back of the knife, and they're using it to press and cut each carrot. That's, yeah. that's a no go. That's no, bad. Do not do that. That if you worked in okay, the, I choke up on the bat. You choke up on what? Actually, like, on the bat, you know, like I try to grab the knife as close to the blade as possible so I can control it. Yeah, yeah. And you then pinch, try to just do a little extra. Yeah, you pinch uh-huh. the, the very end of the blade right at the end of the handle with the tips of your fingers and then curl your the rest of your fingers underneath uh-huh. the handle. Should be like an extension of your, uh-huh. should just come right out of your wrist and not, and you don't want to grip the handle like, you know. I wish everyone could see your hand motions because right? you're doing like an Assassin's Creed Mm-hmm. like slick murder move you're like yeah an extension of your hand <laughs> almost it's like awesome. if you um if you made your hand like a karate chop and kind of like swung that out that's how the knife should be in your arm you know it should replace oh. that hand as a blade and it shouldn't make a 90 degree angle like if you're holding it in your fist you know that's a bad way to hold it and you should never have your finger down the spine that'll ruin your finger but that's the number one mistake that I see people doing. Yeah, really? Yeah. Uh, the rest of it is sort of, 
I think people, you know, and I, I don't, I try not to criticize people cause they don't really, there's a little bit of, there's a lot of art and science in cooking. And I know that like, for instance, your pizza. Would you say there's more art, science or ego? Um, I think the ego, I think the ego is like the, uh, it's, it's almost, if you will, like, it's like a four way, you know, like a, a three-dimensional sort of thing. And like the, the ego can, can, uh, taint either side of those. You can be egotistical uh-huh. about like, that's, that's not the proper way to do this particular procedure, you know, scientifically. And then you could be like, oh, that, you know, that needs to have more, you know, um, infused herbs in it or whatever. And that's not really like those flavors don't mesh. And you could be egotistic about the artistic side of it. Um, and then you can also be a schmuck about both those things. And then you can, you know, mess up, uh, something scientifically because you don't know exactly how the science works and you can, you know, make something that would otherwise be a a functional or delicious dish look. And I I saw somebody, I worked for a caterer once and they wanted me to go through a 50 pound bag of carrots and cut it with a Uh crinkle cut knife. Uh So I don't know if you ever saw that. It's a knife that looks like a corrugated siding, a little piece of corrugated siding and it crinkle cuts all the carrot slices. And I'm like, wait a minute. Okay. So we're, we're catering right now where labor is at a premium. It's your most expensive commodity in this kitchen. Uh And I can wapoosh carrots like a maniac. I chop, 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 chop. With the crinkle cut, it's like one and you got to press and then uh, Uh you can't even touch it with your other, with your left-hand technique, you know, because you can't run it on because it's, it's wonky. Right. Um, And, and so you want me to cut 50 pounds of carrots the slowest way possible. And the only purpose is so that they can look like a frozen product when it's done. You know, like that's somebody completely whiffing on the artistic side for ego for like, this is how I want it done. This is what I want it to look like, you know? Yeah. And uh, those skewers, that's another thing that fucking drives me nuts. People always want, some kind of shish kebab or skewer on the menu. Uh-huh. And I'm like, wait a second. You want me to stand here uh-huh. and thread each individual bite of food onto a stick so I can grill it yeah. improperly because it's grouped together improperly and then give you an inferior product. And all you're going to do is take it off of the stick. Yeah, immediately. Why don't I just grill all of the food properly, separately, and then put it and dish it up and then give it to you as a dish? No, the stick is cute. Fuck you. You're an idiot. You know what? If you want to do that, why don't you go ahead and cook it properly and then get the stick and put it on the stick and then give it to me. Yeah. See, and then you're, you're, you're threading meat through a stick so somebody could take it off of a stick. It's mm. just, to me, it seems stupid, you know? I don't know. Yeah. No, I've never understood any food on a stick or in a cup. You know, like that's not where you should be cooking things, but that's just me. Um, Wait, how long have you been doing stand-up? Um, do you really want to know the answer? I don't think anyone's ever prepared for the answer because yeah. you know, like they you get judged different ways on it. Uh I'll be that's true. Yeah. I, I have a guess, um, but I don't want to explain any of that until after you tell me the numbers. Oh, well then I won't trust your guess. I'll think that you made up the guess. <laughs> yeah, it's not for you to trust. 
All right. How about this? Put your guess in the chat and then I won't open it until I tell you the number. And then you're going to read it on the bottom. No, I won't. Okay, I won't. Somebody told me. OK, uh -huh. someone told me this, um, but you tell me and I'll send it as soon as you say. OK, uh, so in this August, it'll be two years for me. OK. All Wait. right. So someone told me that you started during the pandemic. Three weeks, yeah, <laughs> you fucker. <laughs> but see, you could take that whenever someone tells you their number, you know, it's like how many people you slept with. You know, it's like, like uh -huh. I've, I've seen people judged on all those numbers. Like I've seen people, oh, I've been doing it for 15 years. You're like, uh, you know, it was hoping for a little bit more out of you then, you know, and I've seen people say like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I know, there's never a good answer. There's never, the it always, way. It now that I'm approaching way. 10 years, I feel uh -huh. I feel that pressure of like when someone's like, how long have you been doing it? You're like, did you enjoy the set that I did before I tell you the answer? You know, yeah. like <laughs> and here's what people don't tell you is that you're that that number is not complete uh, as a number because your age plays into it and everything else that you do plays into it as well. Like had I started uh, in my 20s when I was a an idiot, then mm -hmm. I would not have gotten as much growth as I have done in, you know, now starting it. Okay. At, you know, so wait, can I interrupt you? What's that? Because yeah. I'm going to interrupt you because I feel like you're um, defending and I feel like a little bit of insecurity in yourself in this. And I'm going to say there's no need for it because if someone was to tell me, you know, Keith's been doing it for eight years, I'd fully believe you. You have a thing about you, which is why I like you is that like you love jokes. And so you obviously have been saying jokes much longer than the two years you've been doing it. Mm -hmm. And you've been doing it right, which is very unusual for somebody who's not in standup to learn how to do jokes right. It seems like you need strangers to tell you when you're doing it right or wrong. And mm -hmm. so because your jokes are tight, I had no idea. Somebody could have told me whatever number and I would have believed it. In fact, I didn't believe when they told me that it was that low. And mm. I expected for you to say something along the lines closer to a decade in mm. uh, because well, of that. And so like I have, it's actually the opposite. I was going to take that opportunity with that low number to elevate and compliment you publicly. Well, I, I thank you for the compliment. And I will say this, like, okay, so maybe there's insecurity attached with it. Uh, not really. You know, it's, I'm always like thinking about, I just think about everything. And I, I, I'm not going to be overly defensive because like then it just seems like you're more insecure. But the real reason I was saying that is because if, you know, you're funny, too. And at 10 years, like when did you start in your 20s? No, I'm 39. So I started, I guess, you know what, 29, but I was pretty much 30. I was like yeah. one so, month away from turning 30. And, and, and no slam on you. But when I was 29, I was a schmuck. I was an idiot, you know, I, uh -huh. and was not uh, sure, sure. proactive and professional and would not have said, Oh, I got to do this, this, and this by this deadline and make sure, you know, I work on my craft and I get headshots, et cetera, all that shit. Um, so I might've wasted. Still haven't done any of that. <laughs> I've never had a headshot. I've yeah. never said this, like I better do this by this time. That why was are, never an idea. Why are comedians such, so, like schmucky and schlubby when it comes to like getting stuff done for themselves, you know, for like, okay, uh, I'll tell you why writing their own bio, getting want a headshot. you don't No, 
No, no, I think headshots are the grossest, weirdest thing. They are. They're absolutely atrocious. Um, they hardly ever look and really present the person that you know, not nearly as much as a set. And mm-hmm. then it's like the actual process of hiring someone to be like, can you take pictures of me that I'm going to make hundreds of copies of and then mail to strangers is so weird and gross <laughs> to me. That is I can't put up true. with it. I just can't. I'm like, yeah, I would rather somebody not know who I am or find out about me seven years later than send them a picture of me being like, hey, just in case you need someone to smile almost right, yeah. you know, give me a couple. Like, it's not, I don't, dude, and I'm, I'm not I'm, in that game. Nothing you're saying is wrong. And, you know, try and put this ugly mug on like a cereal box. Like, what? Yeah, I get it. But the thing is, like, we're especially in today's world with social media and you know branding and stuff like that it's becoming more and more uh-huh. important and useful for us you know in what we do we're you know we're entertainers we're like it or not i, I know i get it i know you but you know like here's the reality is the amount of videos i see of bad stand-up that are doing fine and those people are getting further in it Mm -hmm. i'd like i would rather not have that video of myself doing bad stand-up on the internet i would rather have thousands of less fans (laughs) than than that you know you're like no 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 especially like when i first started i knew i was too old to be scooped up early there was no way someone was going to scoop me up early people get scooped up early is because they're young and attractive Mm -hmm. fine yeah. And then after that, I was like, oh, no, I'm going to be discovered late, but better, you know, like, and so now that I'm 10 years in, I'm really happy. I don't have much stuff out there because you're like, no, 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 no. When you're as old as I am, which isn't that old, but old for people trying to get in entertainment is like, no, no, you better be good. And I would way rather show up years later and good than something just early and too, like discovered too early and bad. Mm-hmm. I've never met anybody discovered under seven years in that was ready for what was happening next. Yeah. See, that terrifies me. Like, cause I know that, you know, closer to the, the magic numbers close be somewhere between what 10 and 20, you know, where you, you finally, you, you, I don't want to say master the craft, but you finally get comfortable. You, you know, your voice, you got a ton of material, you have practice in all the fields of yeah. you know, where to perform and you can kind of just do it and you, and you, and you have, you're fluent in your own comedy language. Yeah. yeah that, you have but. the abilities and the skills at this point to be able to navigate the things that they're asking a comedian to do. Yeah. But the thing is like, I'm going to be in AARP when that, ha- you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so I don't know, man. I'm, it's just, it's more, it becomes more terrifying. It, it's an, you know, to know that, it, would you have still done comedy if somebody said to you, you know, that maybe the number wasn't the same and that they just said, oh, by the time you're 64, you'll be pretty good? Like if somebody was to tap on my shoulder now and be like, hey, if you keep doing it, it's 64, something good's going to happen that you're going to really love. Uh-huh. Yeah. You're fucking lying, dude. No one would say no. yes to that. Yeah, no, I'm saying yes to that now. I'll tell you why. Because I didn't come with the expectation. The only reason I'm in Los Angeles is because it was literally the closest scene that I had to me that I thought was worth even going to. Mm. I'm from Tucson, Arizona. This produced zero big name comics that are like those guys. Um, I know Gary Shandling is from Tucson, Arizona, but he developed in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. You know, like 
And so, uh, so I was like, do I go to Phoenix or do I just keep driving and go to Los Angeles and actually yeah. go to the, where they farm out these people? I think LA is a tough place to do it too. It's the worst place to do it without a doubt the worst, but it was like, it was definitely the choice. Cause I was also like, listen, I'm going to work a job no matter what to make my way and do my bills. It's probably not going to do enough for retirement. So what I do is a, a hobby to something more and more well that's all gravy mm-hmm. comedy to me has been the frosting and the gravy the whole time because mm-hmm. I was also aware that it wasn't an overnight thing I'm not no one is an overnight thing and so to be like okay yeah 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 you have to make it the gravy especially like when it comes down to weighing your happiness and doing your thing although I keep learning how to make better and better gravy yeah which by the way like I know you were talking earlier about like you're funny. You're like, I wasn't funny my first three years up there. I was funny off stage for sure. On stage, I don't think I was funny till three, five years in. And even then I was whimsical more than funny. Mm. I will say this. When I first started out. Which I got to say, that was a good thing. Yeah. I, I wasn't happy with my material either for the first, at least for a while, for a I've long heard time. Material. I understand that. Yeah. I was like, I, I'm, I'm slinging trash. Yeah. I, I need to. And that's what, what was really good about the pandemic. The pandemic allowed me to sit in every single day and grind out material and just keep writing. Yeah. And that's why I got into comedy to begin with is because I want to write more than anything. I want to write jokes like for a TV show or something. That's my dream job. That's so, my main goal. Uh, my dream job as well. That's my more. That's more attainable, I think, than being a big name comic. Don't you think? Of course it is. Yeah, without a doubt. Because every TV show has how many writers and how many mm-hmm. big name comics are honestly on the circuit at any given time. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um... Although now it seems like more jobs that just pay less. Mm-hmm. Which might be good for us. I don't know. I think it's all good and smart. I think that you, yeah. Yeah, of course it is. Because mm. now that the internet's out there and people are developing at all these different ages at all these different skills, there's no reason that you can't have an audience that's your own demographic, even when you're 60. You know, like, there will be those things that show up that people just love. Mm. My buddy Michael Rayner, I feel like, just, blew up i mean he's blown up like three times but he blew up again over tiktok over the pandemic he's yeah. a really hilarious funny juggler broken juggler on tiktok if you guys follow yeah and it's awesome to watch that to be like oh look the guy's in his mid-50s and peaking yeah i've seen um i would I've way seen... rather be the guy that peaks at 55 than the guy that peaks at 25 oh yeah and you know what i'm i'm not being like shitty like i'll take it i'll take success at any age but you you know like how that just how that feels in general it's like oh my god really like did did i did i really fucking did i really go take my life that far off the rails that like Uh i you know i'm not even gonna i'm not even gonna make anything happen that i that i want to happen until that age you know i don't know yeah, but I would way rather if I could make sure that I can make the movie or the TV show or the stand-up hour that I want 
in my sixties mm. versus something in my twenties that I don't want. Mm. Easy answer. Yeah. And there's been people who have um, done things in their twenties that were excellent, you know, um, comedians and stuff. So it's, it's, I'm not saying that it can't be done that somebody starts early and yeah. takes off and does really good. You know, Eddie Murphy was, I don't, I've never seen him be bad in, until like later, you know, until some of those movies later in life, you know, like the 2000s. Oh, dude. Oh, there's, yeah, there's a list. Even Bo Burnham, I was amazed at. I was like, you know, I want to hate this guy because he's young, but he's good. Bo mm -hmm. Burnham's just doing it right. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, I'm not going to, I'm never going to trash Eddie. Eddie, like, he's it. He's Michael Jordan. Eddie who? So, or that aren't stand up. Oh, Eddie Murphy, other yeah. things. Was that? No, there's sorry, there's a there's a connection. Uh, mm -hmm. It was delaying for a second. So go ahead. What was your That's question? Fine. Um, do you have any like big comic influences that aren't comedic? Comic influences that aren't comedic, like meaning oh, uh, non non comedians. Yeah, like, for instance, like, well, like, I know this sounds is comedic, but I love, like, mascots and stuff like that, you know, like, oh, yeah, yeah. That they're not stand-ups, but for some reason, I find a man in a giant fuzzy suit walking around making everyone happy for no reason, very funny. I find, for some reason, drumming, I find to be very funny. I find rhythms very funny. Yeah, a lot of my... And I can't figure out how to use that in my own head. Yeah, a lot of my, uh, what I think is funny is I, 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 okay. So what the thing I'm trying to work at is to make it a little bit more palatable to the, uh, to a general audience and not seem as much of a, a rant or I don't want to be, I don't want to come off as misanthropic, but basically most of what I see as funny is human activity and how fucking dumb we are. And everything we do is like the dumbest way you can do it. Like the dumbest. For sure. Right? Oh, we're so primitive. We do it the dumbest I way first. Watch. And then and then we throw tantrums when someone tries to show us the right way. And then we yeah, work for like decades to try and improve it so that it gets to the right way. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, that applies to a lot of different things. Uh, definitely to things like religion and race and all this other uh -huh. stuff. And, you know, like, I'm not going to get into details here, but I, I just look at humans and I feel like I can't, like if aliens landed today, there's a part of me, there's a little piece of me that would be like, I bet you that's my real parents here. They finally remembered what, where they dropped me off or whatever, like what gas station, you know, in their galactic travels. And they came back for me because yeah, for sure. I look at humans and I'm like, you, you dumb fuckers are not going to make it. You're doing it wrong. You're doing this wrong. You're doing that wrong. Like you're, you're putting all this shit into this Jesus guy. You never met him. Just move on, dude. Yeah. Move on and fucking, and get rid of global warming. Like get some healthcare. Why are you doing this to yourselves? You know what I mean? Like you're making shit up and you got real problems. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's like, that's that kind of stuff that drives, uh, I think, my comedic inspiration but 
that's it's really tough to turn that into something that is like um you know an indisputable laugh an indisputable punchline that that everyone will laugh i don't think it is no i think what you have is a thesis statement that's bigger than a premise. Mm-hmm. So what you really have there is a thesis statement that's like George Carlin-esque yeah. that you can use many examples of that could be many premises to therefore form many bits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The I'll- real basic thing of like a human will choose their ego over the correction mm-hmm. is very much a bit one step beyond premise onto thesis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would have said Carlin as an inspiration, except that A, I know everyone says Carlin as an inspiration and B, I don't have the delivery of Carlin. Like I won't be, I'm not a a ranty and, you know, like some people consider me intellectual, but I I'm, I'm more of like, you know, I'm more of a dumb dad joke kind of guy, but with a little bit of intellectualism, you know what I mean? So, and, but I would never be at that point of that rapid fire intellectualism <laughs> that Carlin is, you know, uh, I could see myself as more of a Louis CK, but. Um, I, I guess I actually see you closer to Carlin. And I think that even Carlin, if you go back and watch it's there's fart jokes and poop jokes in there too. Like yeah, just yeah. because somebody's smart doesn't mean they're not immature. Yeah, no, I, I know. Yeah. Um, and vice versa, just because someone's mature doesn't mean they're smart either. You <laughs> idiot. <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, I, but I think my biggest objective is to make it still like I'm not, I don't want to attack people. Like inside, I, I kind of do. I kind of want to tell you you're a piece of shit. <laughs> uh-huh. So we'll edit all this out. No, but, um, but, you know, I know that that's not going to go, that's not going to carry that far. You know, not everyone's going to just want to sit and be berated and have their intelligence insulted. Um, but it, it's about finding all the, the indisputable funny observations, like the things that are just like, you ever, you know, uh, we're both white guys. If somebody came up with a, a, a bit in, in a comedy club, which is more than likely, that uh, these this is the difference between white guys and maybe some other race, you know, uh-huh. and you know a lot of people would sit there with their arms crossed. But if that if that isn't an, an observation that is indisputably true and funny, we will laugh our asses off at it, and we will not, uh-huh. yeah, we will not argue the point at all. Like it's that's that's the that's a great joke. That's a well crafted joke. So that's the. Well, that's the I always think part. about if the joke was turned around on me how would I feel about it? So like, I constantly go back and think about Jimmy Fallon and how like he tries to make sure whoever he is making the joke at, that person can laugh at that joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Because he's on the Tonight Show, so he knows there's a good chance it's going to reach them. Mm-hmm. And so like, I know that I, after the insurrection, I like had a joke idea about what if everybody on the plane, the plane stops and the police are like pulling off people and arresting them for going into the thing. To me, the joke is the person that doesn't get arrested, you know, that's like also wearing the Trump stuff, mm-hmm. you know, where he's like the person that didn't go to the insurrection, but said they did. It's like the opposite of Woodstock, mm-hmm. you know, where everyone's like saying they're there. There's gotta be those people that showed up at DC and then went home. They're like, Oh, there's no way. 
You guys are going to get murdered when you go to that Capitol. And then when they're on the plane, they're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm the guy that stole Pelosi's thing. Mm-hmm. That was me. And then the police being like, no, it wasn't. I'm sorry. We know, you know, and like he loses his friends from that sort of thing where there's like no matter how it seems like there's that sort of pointed. This could be very controversial. I love tapping on the controversial, but choosing the most non-controversial but funny sort of thing within it. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that is like what I try to pull from it. You're like, how could I, if I had a thing, really try to get the thing that both sides laugh at about the most controversial thing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, easier said than done, obviously, for the folks at home. Uh, But that's that's Mm -hmm. where comic brilliance, I think, lies. Yeah. When when you make, when you either... uh, when, when you find the truth and when you expose the truth and it's funny yeah. and relatable to the largest group of people, that's yeah, for sure. Like there's, there are ways like South Park does it every week. I don't know how they do it where they go right to the, the sore point and make fun of both sides immediately. And so you're like, well, that guy's on neither side, but he's able to just completely lampoon both sides within the same scene. It's truly amazing. They, they, I mean, that's, that's the peak of it. They express like a uh, sort of a some sort of morality without preaching when at best when when they when they do nail it. There's some times where it's like it gets a little weird, but um, yeah, most of the time they they nail it. Yeah, it's awesome. And yeah, um, I mean, easier said than done, like I said, right? Yeah, I mean, isn't that all joke writing? Graber, everybody. Keith has been amazing during the pandemic. I mean, like, we covered it a little bit in the episode where you're like, but he's done so many shows. And he's like, I mean, he's cultivated his own sort of scene. So he can just make sure he keeps getting up and doing it. And because of that, I mean, he's throwing them, but it's that's how you do it. Uh, so check him out at Keith Graber on Instagram or at Liar Comedy. Uh, Liar is the brand that he has, that he uh, does all his comedy shows with. And then Liar, I was just on a show last week for them called The Shit Show. That's a lot like At Midnight, except Keith style. And then, I think it was a week or two before that, I was on a different show he does um, where we play games on Twitch. I mean, he just finds a way to put output out there every night. I... I've never seen anybody hit the ground running like this. Um, and it's kind of fun to watch. And he's a very funny guy. Very likable. I mean, I immediately became friends with him. Him being a giant fan of Ween helped. But also, just, I don't know. Like, I just like talking to him. Keith, guys, um, for those that didn't listen to the the intro I gave the episode last episode, I forgot my my mic headset so I was doing it bare into the phone, which is why it sounds like I'm talking on a phone. I sounded very phonish, but he had his mic and setup, and so he sounded good. Thank God. Very happy he sounded good, because really, it's about him. 
this episode. Fun him. And so I was happy to, to do all that. I was really frustrated with the fact that I didn't remember my microphone and I was out there just in the wild recording the episode. Wasn't at home like I normally am. Didn't have my normal setup. And it sounded like it. So I apologize for that if that affected anybody's enjoyment of the episode. But I don't think so. I think we get all into Keith immediately and so it doesn't matter. There it is. Next week, where you don't have any more Keiths. I did my back-to-back Keiths. Next week, we got Thomas Germain. You remember? You uh, may remember Thomas. He did an episode like 50 episodes ago where we talked about your privacy settings on your phone and how that's able to read and how ads are able to spot you for it and how ads find their way to you. And it's not necessarily that they're listening, but they are definitely paying attention to everywhere you're walking. So it's that kind of thing. Uh, And that, we talked about that in that previous episode. If you haven't heard that and that sounds interesting, check out the first Thomas Germain episode. It's a very interesting episode that I think aged very well already. And then this new one, I have him on to explain NFTs to me. He's going to teach me about NFTs because I know nothing. I'm trying to learn. And then the week after that, I have someone coming on to talk to me about crypto and explain that to me because I know nothing. That's... That's what I'm doing, I guess. I just, whatever I need advice in, I find somebody who I think is kind of an expert that knows a lot more than me, and I dig around and uh, allow you guys to listen to it. I think that's what I'm doing here. Because people have tried to ask me to explain what I'm doing with my podcast, and I go, yeah, I still don't know. You know, it's 100 episodes in. I don't know. I talk to people. I enjoy it. That's what I do. Guys, I am at Aaron M. Marsh. You can find me on all of my things. You can go back and find old episodes. Um... Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm waiting for that day where someone goes, hey, I listened to this, and now I've listened to 30 other back episodes. Like, we're almost at 100 episodes. I'm, I don't know, like, I'm really excited with how it's all progressed. I feel like I've grown a lot within this. I'm really happy to, uh, to have taken it this far. Okay, that's enough of patting me on the back. I patted me on the back for almost all of this outro. Time to pat you guys on the back, and thank you for listening, and thank you for putting up with me. Whether I'm right or whether I'm wrong, whether I find a place in this world or never belong, I've got to be me.